You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome in to this week's BGN Instant Reaction Show at a primetime hour but an earlier primetime hour, it's only 10.17, so we're going to get in and out of here by well before 11, so we can all get some good rest. Best case scenario for the Eagles tonight, nice win, pretty dominant win. The first half looked a little hairy here and there, but by the second half, they really got into a rhythm here. Like I said, I'm Jesse Taylor. Thank you so much for coming in. I'm here with Shane Half. Rachelle's behind the glass with us. Shane's going to hop in here with me, and we're just going to get right to it, and I'm going to say it before we, you even have the chance to bring it up. How about those special teams tonight, Shane? I have often said that the Eagles have a fantastic special teams unit. Never uh, once never doubted. a bad word. Yeah, you know, generally, you don't want to be catching punts inside the five-yard line, and Brent no. Covey did it twice, and twice. it kind of worked out both times. It was actually very funny. We're, you know, kind of moving around still. It was you know, right at the beginning of the game, right? So we're still moving around, cleaning up the kitchen. The baby's running around doing the whole thing. My husband's standing directly in front of the TV, and he's, you know, with some colorful language, of course, that comes out of it, you know, more or less. Oh, my God, you you let that one go. You never take that. And then he runs for 52 yards. He's like, like I said, take it, run every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's That's oh. my thought process. Especially, you know, last week there were so many, you know, I'm done with the Britton Covey experiment tweets coming out of last week's game. And that was probably his best performance as an Eagle tonight, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to me now that Aaron Sipos was the problem with the Eagles special teams. They change him out. Now all of a sudden Britton Covey is better. Jake Elliott doesn't miss a field goal. Uh, it's just, I think that was it. You get Sipos off the team, now special teams is fixed for the rest of the year. Everything is fine, and Michael Clay has earned that extension that he was given. But aside from special teams, immediate thoughts, immediate high-level takeaways of what you saw from the Eagles tonight. Yeah, I mean, it turns out when you are dominant on the offensive line and the defensive line, you just win a lot of football games. And I don't think the Eagles are going to play a team this season with a better offensive line. I don't think they're going to play a team with a better defensive line. And regardless of the other issues, you know, you throw two interceptions uh, and we can get into those. Sure. You have the ball inside the 25 yard line four times in the first half and walk out with six points from that. Cause the long touchdown, you were never inside the 25. Uh, all that aside, you still dominate an undefeated team on the road because you went in the trenches and, you know, hat tip to Howie Roseman for continuing to stack offensive and defensive line talent. Even when we got annoyed by it, uh, it it's paying off. Well, now they've started drafting the proper people. Like they draft offensive linemen from Alabama and defensive linemen from Georgia. That is fine. It's when you're taking, you know, the seven string player from TCU 
that you're like, oh no, in seven years, he'll be great. No, no, no. That's not, that's not helpful. We need the best of the best. And that's if that if they continue to draft that way, there are no gripes with what they choose to do in, in the draft. Take the best player available from the schools that win all the time. You will get no arguments from your fan base if that's all that you do in the draft. And he has finally turned the page and learned that lesson, thankfully. Yeah, and sometimes you just go get the UDFA that nobody's ever heard of either. I mean, how about Reed Blankenship tonight? Uh, Reed Blankenship, it was sure nice to see him back on the field. Um, You know, this is a guy that we saw in bits and pieces last year, and he flashed at times. Obviously, he picks off Aaron Rodgers, and you get the stat that he's the first UDFA to ever intercept Aaron Rodgers. he looked good tonight. You know, he has a tackle for loss in the game on a play where he was 13 yards off the line of scrimmage and he triggers downhill against the run and he gets the tackle for loss. I tweeted that one out. Uh, he gets a pass breakup. Uh, he got an interception where he keys across on a tight end on an end breaker. Uh, I thought the defense looked good. Obviously, the Buccaneers don't have the best offense. You've got some rain to help you out there, but. I feel better about the defense. I I liked what I saw on film from the defense. The results just weren't there through the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. I thought the defense really stepped up tonight. Yeah, I thought the defense really stepped up tonight. And I also thought that the previous two matchups, the teams made better adjustments in the second half to what the defense was giving you. And especially when you're in a situation, and obviously this week you get your a couple of your starters back, right? You get your Reed Blankenship back. You get your James Bradbury back. But you're still down a couple guys. And, you know, if, if you're and moving them around in places that they're not necessarily, you know, poised to be in, right? You don't have N'Kobe Dean and you have some makeshift linebackers in there from what you assumed you were going to start the season with. James Bradbury's playing inside in the slot instead of playing on outside. And you get Josh Job out there. You, you know, you bring up a couple guys off the practice squad to just makeshift just in case. So I just thought, you know, not to take away anything from the defense, but I think that the Patriots and the Vikings also did a much better job of adjusting to listen if you get the ball out quick the the you know front four front five however many they're bringing at you that time don't have the time to get home and you're going to force them to you know beat them on the back end and their that secondary isn't necessarily going to be that, that's a more favorable matchup than the than the you know in the trenches with the Eagles defensive line out there right but I thought, obviously, Tampa Bay Buccaneers did not do that, and they just also weren't able to do that. I thought the back end of the defense as well was much better locked up than they had been the last two weeks as well. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing I really like about the the defense and the way they played tonight is, I mean, yeah, they were getting pressure, but two sacks, one turnover forced. It, it wasn't like they were living on these high-leverage plays to kill drives. Mm-hmm just consistently down in and down out, they just whooped the Tampa Bay offense. And again, it's Baker Mayfield, uh, but they've got, they've got guys, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are good players. And, you know, they were two and O and the Eagles were able to just hold them in check. And of course they score a touchdown at the end as the Eagles are playing a little softer defense, right. but this game, it, it wasn't ever really close. It never really felt in doubt. Uh, I mean, to be honest, the Eagles should have had 20 more points. if the red zone execution was there. And so uh, it felt nice to not have to be angry after a loss, like we talked about in week one. So yeah, uh, the Eagles win, they're undefeated. I'm not furious. Yes. Eagles football is so back. I don't know. It's so back. What do we think? Honestly, I'm just so happy that it's not 11 o'clock. 
I, as much as I love sitting here and talking to you, I hate doing it at 11 o'clock at night because it's the, regardless if they win or not, it's the most miserable way to start the next day. But I definitely thought that, you know, the defensive side of the ball, especially looked really, really good tonight. And, and you, you just said it, they've got weapons over there. Baker's been playing extremely well. They've got two weapons over there who, I mean, were really a non-factor in this game. Of course, you have some of the rain to help you out, and you try to lean on running the ball a little bit more, and no team is going to have success running the ball against against this Eagles defense. But I was surprisingly impressed with what they were able to do in some of those other areas where they, you know, aren't as – what's the word I'm looking for? They're, 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 you're not as confident in some of these other areas as you have been in the last maybe two years. So, and we've talked about that the last couple of weeks, especially with the linebackers and, you know, everything like that. But I thought everybody really held their own tonight and, you know, did exactly what they needed to do. Go down to, uh, you know, a little bit mini buy, right? But could, could there be a little bit of rust that you have to shake off because it's so early in the season, you're getting a mini buy. Getting through that, getting out there, doing exactly what they needed to do. Away game, obviously there were a lot of Eagles fans there. We could see that. We could hear that. There's actually some really awesome clips. If you have Twitter up next to you of Nick Sirianni walking in through the stands a little bit, thanking all the Eagles Eagles fans for coming down and everything. Um, but, you know, just really did what they needed to do, handled it. And you're right, they should have 20 more points. And I think that's – there's still some question marks on on the offensive side of the ball, which looking into the season is not necessarily something that that we saw coming. Yeah, uh, the the one thing there's no question about is this rushing attack, though. Uh, Over the last two weeks, the Eagles have picked up 31 first downs on the ground. Their opponents have picked up one. I mean, what a turnaround from a year ago for this run defense. Like last year, the Eagles run defense was not very good. And this year, they're just dominant on the ground. And part of that's adding in Jalen Carter. Part of it is Jordan Davis being healthy. Part of it is Zach Cunningham is as much of a liability as he can be in coverage. He's really good against the run, but the run defense is awesome. The rushing attack is awesome. The thing there's still maybe some questions about it is the passing attack. So Jalen Hurts is 23 of 37 tonight, 277 yards. He had one touchdown and two interceptions, took a sack. Um, the first, The first interception... Actually, was the first one the one where he was targeting Swift? I can't remember the order yes. now. I think it was. Yes. The broadcast said that they thought there was a miscommunication with Swift on that play. He throws it way behind Swift. I don't know so much on that. If if he thought Swift was going to break to the sideline, I still think he throws it behind him. Like he didn't lead him enough if he expected him to break to the sideline. Yeah. So unless he was expecting a curl route, which in which case he shouldn't throw that because there's a guy standing right there. Right. I don't really know. Like I would love to be inside Hertz's head and know what he was expecting and what he thought he saw there. Uh, you'll never get that answer out of him because mm-hmm. he'll just say he shouldn't have made the throw, you know, he'll, which he shouldn't have, I don't think, but yeah, I just think it was a bad throw. I don't really know what he was expecting. The second interception. I think that interceptions on Devonta Smith, like, Devontae Smith has steps on a receiver. There's only so far you can lead him because he's running to the sideline. And and it's a fantastic play by the corner. I won't take that away from him. But Devonta Smith cannot let that route be undercut. I thought that was that – was, people will talk about Hurts throwing that interception. I think you take that throw to A.J. Brown, to Devonta Smith, to Dallas Goddard all day. And 90% of the time, that's not going to be an interception. That should be a touchdown or they should be able to make a play on it and break it up. And so – 
I really thought that one was more on Smith than it was on Hertz. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get, what, two or three of those a game of just an effort, AJ's down there somewhere, or effort, Devontae's down there somewhere. And, you know, there were a couple of them last year, right? I think one that stands out is the one in the to AJ in the Steelers game, one of the three touchdowns where it probably should have been an interception. And AJ made a really good play on the ball to make sure it wasn't, and then he scored. And, it, you know, you, you kind of take those and you live with them, right? It's either, you know, but – you're right. I don't think it should have been an interception. It's going to obviously, you know, the interception is is stuck on Jalen Hurts now, and I'm sure we'll get another, you know, another uh, Sports Center graphic about you know however many interceptions he has through however many games, and he only had so many all of last year, even though the Eagles are three and zero, and he's a, again a big a big reason why they are three and zero. Has he looked good? Or you know, has he looked great? No. Has he even looked? good compared to what we're used to from Jalen Hurts? Not really. But I feel like that's, you know, all going to even itself out. And, you know, when you hear 20 minutes into the broadcast after he's looked like still not great and they're like, oh, and he has some flu-like symptoms, you're like, okay. And it's raining on him? That sounds terrible. You know how I knew how terrible Jalen Hurts was feeling? When he got up after the tush-push touchdown and he just handed the ball to someone and just walked away. Didn't dance, didn't do anything. And I was like, oh, that man feels like garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, and I do, and it, it's not all bad. I thought there were some good signs from Hertz and some good, good signs from just the structure of the offense. Like, yes. The, the two passes, so the, the drive that ends in the Alameda Zacchaeus touchdown, uh, it was like a play or two before that. I mean, Hertz is flirting with disaster as long as he stood in the pocket there uh, with a rusher behind him. But, Jalen Hurts of last year isn't standing in that pocket that long. Right. And then the Alameda Zacchaeus touchdown, like, you know, credit to the offensive line for holding up for that long. When Hurts throws that ball, there's guys all over him. And, you know, ESPN puts out the dot graph, the dots for the touchdowns. And I screenshotted that at the moment Hurts lets go of the ball. Not only are there three guys like covering him up, Alameda Zacchaeus is not open. Like he just throws it out there and it's a or perfect even close throw. to where he was. Yeah, perfect throw just over the hands of the cornerback. Like, that's a big time throw. And yeah, Hertz of last year's not standing in there and making that. Now there's a there's a fine line there. You don't want to stay in a pocket too long. You're more likely to get injured taking a hit you don't see coming in a pocket. Right. You're likely to get the ball knocked out. But on those two plays, like I would I, I like that he stood in the pocket for those, delivered those throws. Uh, that's a big sign of growth. And I thought, you know, schematically. Against the Blitz, they did some really good things. Like they went out empty one time, and the Buccaneers brought six, and it was just boom to the backside. Dallas got it on a slant. Uh, on that last drive, it was I think third and ten or third and twelve. They're bringing a pressure look. Boom, AJ Brown side adjusts the route, hit him on the curl, break a tackle, get the first down. Like those are things that have not been in the offense. And I talked about it not being there week one, starting to be there week two. I thought it was fully there. I, I thought Hertz and the offense handled the blitz really well. Like I said, he only takes one sack. Um, and, and if you can take what was a big weakness last year in dealing with the blitz and turn it into a strength, the rest of it's going to come. The ball's going to bounce your way on some other things. You're not going to have four trips inside the 25 with six points. That's not going to regularly happen. Mm -hmm. And so long-term, you're getting better against the blitz. I think that's a huge sign, a step forward for the offense. Yeah. 
I would totally agree. And I thought it definitely looked like Brian Johnson was in a little bit better of a rhythm. They had a little bit better communication rapport going on collectively throughout the offense. And I thought he did a much better job tonight there. And I don't know, again, you know, kind of going back to Jalen, not feeling great or not feeling himself trying to take the least amount of hits possible. Were there, you know, did that skew the way that Brian Johnson decided to make some of those quarterback run calls that like there weren't any of those. I didn't see any of those tonight. Maybe one that I could be forgetting, but I don't remember seeing a single, you know, drawn up called in the moment quarterback run. And they had been sprinkled in the last two weeks at the worst possible time. There was absolutely no rhyme or reason to when some of them were run. All maybe aside from one against Minnesota, there was one, I think on a third and seven or so they were maybe at the 30 of the Vikings and I think there was a third and seven where it was it was perfectly timed, but that was the only one so far this season. I didn't notice any of those tonight. They seemed like they were actually he was doing a very good job of calling the right play in the moment. And I didn't really have any sort of gripes with what the play calls were tonight, as I had the last two weeks. Yeah, the the only one so he ends with 10 carries for 28 yards and a touchdown. Several of those are QB sneaks, a few scrambles. The only run play I remember was on the last drive. It was an option play because I was real mad about it. I was like, you're pulling DeAndre Swift out to keep him healthy and then calling a QB run on the last drive of the game. Like, come on. But I mean, Hertz didn't take a hit. Well, he kind of did because he was like trying to slide without going out of bounds. But um, yeah, overall, I thought Johnson did good. I thought the offensive line mauled in, in this game. And as long as your offensive line is going to play at that level, I don't know how you stop the. I don't know how you stop that rushing attack. You're going to have to devote so many resources to it, and then you've got AJ Brown and Devonta Smith on the outside, both of whom I didn't think played great games today. I mean, AJ Brown had some good runs after the catch, but he dropped a touchdown. He might have dropped two touchdowns. I can't remember. Devonta lets yeah, the route get undercut. Like I don't think either of those guys played that great tonight, and AJ still puts up 131 yards. I mean. I I just don't know what you do against the offense. That's the thing. Like that, you know, these last three weeks we've been like bitching and moaning and complaining about how terrible the offense has looked and so irritated with how they've been playing. And at the end of the day, like our wide receivers still have hundred yard games and our running back has rushed for over a hundred yards the last two weeks. Like that's the, I think best thing about it, right? Like we're complaining about all of these different things and at the end of the day, they are still three and L they're still putting up points and they are nowhere near playing even semi-decent football compared to what they are capable of. That's good news for us. Bad news for the rest of the NFL. If they get their, you know what together. You want to know a fun stat from this game? Of course. 19 times in the game, the Eagles called a run on first down all 19 times they ended up converting like not necessarily on the play, but they never started a set of downs with a run and did not score a touchdown or pick up a first down hundred percent conversion rate. That's insane. That doesn't happen. Run the football. (laughs) I don't understand why we have to complain about this all the time for so many years. Run the dang ball. I sound like the freaking blind side run the dang ball. It's not rocket science. It's not. Yeah. DeAndre Swift with 0.53 EPA per rush attempt. Like literally every two times you're handing DeAndre Swift the ball, you expect to score a point. I love that. 
I love that. Just don't, don't ask me what Kenny Gainwell's was. Yeah, no, I don't want to know. I don't know why. A- after you saw the first three run, like that's okay. That's my only my only issue with not. It's not even play calling with personnel switches. Why after the first quarter was anyone not named DeAndre Swift in the backfield ever? I don't care. At the end of the game, I don't care. I'm getting absolutely mauled on the Babes on Broad Twitter right now because I also tweeted, why is anyone not named DeAndre Swift in the backfield? And people were like, oh, injury history and risk management. The game's over. They don't want him taking a beat. No, the entire time. Like, for example, when you're on the two-yard line and you decide to run some sort of fake tush-push situation, which, of course, they had in there in some capacity. And what does he do, Jalen Hurts do? Trip over Kenny Gainwell's feet. Why is Kenny Gainwell in the game? I don't don't understand. To be fair, between the first drive and the last drive, when they clearly just pulled Swift, he only had five carries between there. So I I thought they pretty well just ran Swift, and then I was glad they pulled Swift for that last drive. But uh, yeah, yeah, should we talk about the fake tush push? Like third, that's the eight percent. Third and a third and a long two, like you are clearly not running the QB sneak there. Like to be honest, that just screams to me, like we want to put this on film. So you have to think about it, even though we would never actually run it. Like if you're running, if you're running a play like that in a blowout, it's not because you actually want to run it in a game that matters. It's because you want another team to have to think about it. Like they will, you will never see that play again the rest of the season. And not because it didn't work. Because why would you have a count? Why? Why? It works ninety eight percent of the time. Just do the tush push. The Eagles are out here playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How many tweets did you come across from national media members that were uh, talking about how it should be banned or there should be a limit on how many times it can be run in in one game? Yeah, I mean... And the funny thing is other teams have tried it now so and it doesn't, no one has used it successfully except the Eagles. It's almost like maybe having a quarterback that squats 600 pounds playing behind a hall of fame center. Maybe that's the key. Not that it's just some automatic thing. Yeah. It's it. And I don't, I don't know how caught up you are on listening to the new Heights podcast, but they were talking about that this week. Like it, it's, and and they were talking about should it be banned, should it not be banned, the whole thing. And they 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 were basically like, okay, fine, ban the ban everything that people are just too good at that they keep doing. 
Justin Tucker is no longer allowed to kick field goals. You have to find another kicker. He's not allowed to kick field goals. Patrick Mahomes, no longer allowed to throw the ball. He's I, I tweeted that like two weeks ago. I was like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, I think it's uh, it's not aesthetically pleasing when Patrick Mahomes throws the football. Ban it. Yeah, no more. You're, he's too good at it. We're done. Like, And I'm sitting here, and I, I was also wa- sitting there watching. I'm like, yeah, Justin Tucker. Not allowed to kick any more field goals. And then a few minutes go by. Patrick Mahomes. Now the, my husband's like, are you done yet? Are you done? I'm like, no. Why would why would you ban it? Because then they kept talking about it the whole time. Oh, I think that I thought they were going to ban it. Oh, the rules are going to change that they didn't have enough. But I really think they should ban Shut up. Just because you're sorry the offensive line can't get it done, th- it, that's not my issue. Stop it. Todd Bowles talked all day about how they put special stuff in there to make sure they would get that stop. They weren't going to get it against the Tampa Bay defense. Well, they did get one stop, and then they just ran it again. Yeah, I'm like, oh, on third and one, you're going to get this much closer? Congratulations. That's your moral victory of the day after putting up 11 points. Also, whose idea was it to for that? I would love to have a conversation with the gentleman who made the decision, who made the play call to try to run the ball from the one-foot line against the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Well, I mean, Troy Aikman thought it was a great idea. That is, well, he's also an idiot. Go yeah, at that, at that point in time, they have like 13 carries for 24 yards. And from the one foot line, they're like, let's go jumbo and see if we can get out of the end zone. I, I, and by the way, Nicholas Morrow shooting that gap, like that's just perfect. That was beautiful. Jordan Davis in front, eats the double team. Nicholas Morrow times the snap, shoots the gap. Uh, I mean, Nicholas Morrow in two games, he's played better than anything we saw Nicobe Dean put on tape in week one. Now, Nicobe Dean still played better than anything we saw Zach Cunningham put on tape. I Before the season started, I said that I was worried about Dean and Morrow playing next to each other because they're both small. The Eagles have had troubles against the run. That's what I want to see now. When, when Dean comes back, I want to see Dean and Morrow playing next to each other. Because if you can still stop the run, I think that's your best two linebackers. It does get you pretty light. I really don't think the way the defensive front's been playing, it would be an issue. But that's just another one of those baffling personnel decisions. Like, how did Nicholas Morrow not make this roster the way that he's played over two games? Yeah. How was DeAndre Swift not the week one starter, given what we've seen out of him? Sometimes coaches, I don't know what they see, but sometimes they just see strange things. Listen, as long as they adjust to the correct things... I'm I'm with it. Also, there's a comment down here that's really funny and it has to be addressed. As we were talking about the things that everyone's so, you know, the t- players and teams are so good at that you're, they're not allowed to do anymore. Justin Tucker's so, too good at kicking field goals, not allowed to. Patrick Mahomes is too good at throwing the ball, he's not allowed to. Cowboys are no longer allowed to lose playoff games. But that's so aesthetic, but that's so aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> so aesthetically pleasing. My favorite NFL tradition by far is the NFL memes account on Twitter with the photo that just says, just checking in to see if y'all still them boys with the just little heads of all the quarterbacks that beat the Dallas Cowboys. And Josh Dobbs' little head coming up out the side. Ah, a a tradition unlike any other. I can't wait to hear what all of the excuses are this week for the Dallas Cowboys, but it's a beautiful thing. The Eagles are 3-0, sitting in sole position of first place in the NFC East. Yeah, you know the the Jonathan Gannon clip when he was meeting the players where he does a Yeah, so I tweeted that little sound bite and I said the sound of the Dallas Cowboys losing their September Super Bowl. 
after they lost to the Cardinals on Sunday. And I was having a good time when the comments on that one. I still will hate Jonathan Gannon until the day I die. <laughs> but that was such a beautiful, so wonderful to just, oh, I, I mean, no notes. They didn't, they didn't screw up that, that game like they did against the Giants. They are a bad football team, but my God, the Dallas Cowboys looked like absolute trash yesterday. Absolute trash. All right. I think it now would be a good time to switch over as we're talking about Twitter and some of the funny things that we have tweeted. Let's see if we can bring Rachelle in to talk about some of these uh, three words that we've got in response to our the game this week and what everyone's thoughts are. So what are they, who are we firing? Are there, is it all negative or is it all positive? The very first one, of course, is uh, fire Brian Johnson. I mean, we knew what was going to come. That's the only fire anybody I have seen. A lot of people are actually talking negatively about Jalen Hurts. I mean, like you said, we haven't been seeing him look 100%, but, you know, he wasn't feeling well today. He didn't look terrible. Um, somebody said Jalen worrying me. Jalen misses Shane. Uh, finding a groove. Brian Johnson, eh. Um, and then everything else is really more so about uh, DeAndre Swift. Somebody said, I'm a Swifty. <laughs> I thought that was cute. Um, Jalen Hurts is off. Uh, impose your will. Jalen Carter, defensive rookie of the year. Let Swift run. So a lot of them are more so about uh, Swift positively, but the fire is definitely leaning towards Brian Johnson. This one that just says St. Joe's prep is funny. I saw that one too. <laughs> Oh, I mean, how, how long do we go before it's like a still trying to figure it out still early first time coordinator, you know, how long do we go before we make the shift to, okay, this is, this is a concern. This is a problem. How many more weeks do we give it? I mean, the Eagles just went on the road against a really good defense and almost put up 500 yards. So I got no complaints. Like if, if that's, I, if we're hey, a different coordinator might have got a 600 yards, but 472, I'm I'm fine with that. Like today, is it more so because we didn't see big performances from AJ Brown and Devontae Smith? Like, yeah, we saw strong performance from DeAndre Swift, but they still won. So I'm like, I mean, that's a win, you know. What what else do we want? I just I don't understand it. I just don't. Yeah. Get it. All right, the Eagles punted the ball one time tonight. That new punter looked great. <laughs> he didn't drop the punt. I mean, he didn't drop the snap. It was great. Special teams is back, baby. <laughs> Shane's so happy that he doesn't have to complain about special teams anymore. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I get that it wasn't perfect. It wasn't beautiful. But, I mean, after your... I feel like, you know, obviously you have a lot of consistency from the offense from last year to this year. The defense was where there was turnover, and you obviously have turnover with coordinators. But if you went into this season believing that the Eagles were not going to face a significant number of challenges because, in case anyone forgot, they played in the Super Bowl last year. They weren't just this team like they were the year before, right? They went 9-7 and seven the year before. They got blown out by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wild card round. They did not belong in the playoffs. They squeaked their way in there, and they got their doors blown off. They came back the next year, and it's like, all right, 
winning the division is the goal, right? Like winning the division would be that's that's probably their ceiling. They went 14 and 3 and barely lost the Super Bowl. Like in a shootout with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, the best offensive team in football. Like you come if if everyone came into this season thinking they were just going to go on a tear and do it again and some of these other teams didn't have the Philadelphia Eagles especially when they played the Philadelphia Eagles in prime time circled on their calendar and that's the one that they're going to put the majority of their energy and emphasis into that's stupid and naive of you to go into this season thinking that so in you know last year it was kind of like wow the Eagles are doing it wow they're still doing it wow they're still doing it now it's like okay we need to give the Philadelphia Eagles our best shot and these teams are walking away from games against the Eagles going well, we made it a game. We were able to compete with them. And that's a moral victory for the Vikings. And it's a moral victory for the Patriots. The, the Bucks, not so much. But no, go ahead. Well, no, but that's so, you know, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be perfect. It, it, it's not great. You expect it to be better than what it is for sure. But if you're going to be overly concerned about all of these different things at this point because you expected everything to just be clicking flawless perfect and them to just continue running through defenses that have had over a year to prepare to see them again I mean that's not my problem that you are going to be that naive about about this team right now yeah I'm just glad that we were able to hopefully quiet all of this hype about Baker Mayfield yeah I would have loved the birds to get after him a little bit more but still like the biggest conversation of the week was Baker Mayfield and just trying to see if he's going to perform to the same level that he did week one and week two. And I think that we we showed that he's not all worth the hype and he's not this elite player. So shout out to Reed Blankenship for that interception. That was nice. Beautiful. Someone on Twitter called him Chalk Doc and I almost fell off the couch. <laughs> I almost fell off the couch. I was not prepared. And that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I don't remember who tweeted it. I wish I did. But if you're listening, that was unbelievable. <laughs> Tweet that again. I've just been sticking with Ed Reed Blankenship. That's funny. That's the one I've seen going around. I didn't come up with it, but I've seen it going around. That's funny. They're they're all very funny. The, the, ch- the Chalk Dog one really got me. There was another one that my Philadelphia area people will understand. There was a tweet that I saw that said something like, Reed Blankenship has has first team all Catholic league written all over him or something. And it's, it's so accurate based on like the Catholic league in Philadelphia. That's right around the area. So anybody from the area gets how funny that is. I don't know if anybody not from the area gets, it just sounds like a bad joke at that point, but it's very, very funny. And also, I don't know if you guys already touched on it, but it was cool to see uh, Alameda Zacchaeus getting a touchdown. I thought that that was like a big play of the day. So shout out to him. That was cool. I I also did just see there's a picture going around that's a picture of him and DeAndre Swift at prep together, like celebrating after a big play. And okay. then next to them celebrating the touchdown tonight, I have to go find it again because it's yeah. really it's really cool. It it just It just warms your heart. There are good things. There are good things that are still warming your heart and making you happy about this team. It doesn't all have to be you know, rainbows and butterflies all the time, but there are things there. There are things there and everything will be fine. I, if, I have to make myself believe it. And they're undefeated. Like, I mean, 
Yeah. One of three teams. There's only three teams, so at least they're one of them. And one of them is not the Dallas Cowboys. That too. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys lost. NFC East lead. Let's go. The Dallas Cowboys lost to a team that was pretty much predicted to not win a game this year. So, yes, the worst team. So, yeah. And who did the Giants lose to this week? Oh, the 49ers. They got their doors blown off by the 49ers. The New York football yep. Giants are a very bad football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were a comeback away from being 0-3, right? If they didn't come back against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a worse football team. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. All right. Going into week, what is this, four. What are you hoping to see from the Eagles against a team that is as not good at football as the Washington Commanders? What are you, after these last couple weeks, what are you just hoping to see the Eagles get out of Sunday this week? What are you looking for them to improve on? Uh, I I would like to see them clean up their red zone issues. I mean, I know several of those tonight were just outside the red zone, but they were moving the ball well, but not punching it in. I would like to see them clean that up. Uh, it's going to be a good test for them. Washington's got a really good defensive front. Uh, they you know, got a first-round rookie cornerback uh, in their secondary, so it'll be a good test. I don't think this is a team that, of course, I would have said that's about the Buccaneers too, but I don't think this is a team you're just going to be able to run on with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen in the trenches. Um, they're going to get pressure on you. i just like to see the Eagles' offense clean a few things up because I think they played at a high level tonight. Just few moments of lack of execution turned a 40-point game into a 25-point game. I think I'm going to focus on the defensive side of the ball for this game. Uh, Sam Howell was sacked nine times against the Bills yesterday. And so I think this is going to be another big performance. Uh, we want to see Hassan Reddick. We've been talking about this. It's now three weeks in, and we really still have not seen from him a lot from him. We've, of course, seen the rookies dominating, but – if the Bills were able to get nine sacks and four interceptions, then I think that the Eagles can maybe, you know, double that a little bit. So Hassan Reddick, I want him to have a big performance against the commanders. Oh, how about all of the things, both of them? If we if we combine both of those things, um, the Eagles score a lot of points every time they're in the red zone. One thing I did notice about tonight, it was every time there was any sort of lull, they really stalled. If they couldn't just keep going and execute in a rhythm, if there was an injury or if there was a TV timeout or if it was the two-minute warning, whatever they stopped for to review a play, anything like that, they completely fell out of out of the rhythm. And I understand that that's kind of like the definition of being in a rhythm, but they were not able to like lock back in and continue the drive they were having once one of those things happened. So being able to continue on the drives that you're on because someone's going to get hurt. That's going to knock you off, throw you down for a little bit. There are going to be TV timeouts. There are going to be timeouts called by the other team. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be um, booth reviews and things like that. You need to be able to stay focused and continue the drive and finish from there. And Rachel, you're absolutely right in terms of the defense. Would love to just see those sack numbers start to creep up. And what better team to do it against than the Washington Commanders as they come through to Philadelphia mm-hmm. for the only one o'clock game before December. Right. I'm going to enjoy this though. <laughs> uh, one o'clock games. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst time slot of the worst time slot of the week. <laughs> That's because you're two hours behind. Right. <laughs> just one. Just one. Are you just one? Yeah. But still, worst time slot. 
Stuck. Give me the 425 games. I love to live on the West Coast. So all of the games started at 10 Mm a.m. And they were over by 8 p.m. Over. Done. Yeah. None of them start at 8 p.m. They're done. I would love that. This is (laughs) terrible. Okay. It sounds great when you're 18. When you're 25 and above, mm -mm, this is different. How old do you think I am, Jess? <laughs> well, I'm 28, so I gave it a few more years because I've hated these for a while. So I was I was given some buffer for myself. Okay. <laughs> okay. I thought you were insinuating I was 18, so it didn't matter for me. And- <laughs> okay, okay. No. If you were eight, if you said you were 18, I have many follow up questions. Many. <laughs> a lot. If I went clean shaven, I might be able to convince people, but maybe. That's fair. Yeah. I actually, you know I've, I've got the baby face. I'm not yeah. going to lie to you. I don't know if I would recognize you without a beard. Nope. I don't know if I would recognize me without a beard anymore. Like if you walked up to me on the street, you were like, hey, Jess, with no beard. I'd be like. <laughs> Who are you? I'm totally what showing up to a post-game show clean shaven at some point this season. Oh, my God. You will see up. my eyeballs pop out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> you will absolutely see my eyeballs pop out of my head. All right. With that, I don't know if we can go any further. We're going to wrap it up also because I promised everyone out there that we would wrap this before 11 o'clock and we are going to do that, which I'm just, is really for more for me than anybody else because I want to go to bed. But thank you for joining us for another episode of the post-game show, BGN Instant Reaction Show here. We are here with you every week after every single game. We'll be here no matter what time, even when they are the regular late games. Please make sure you are subscribed everywhere. Leave a five-star rating, written review, the whole thing, wherever you get your podcasts. We have stuff coming out every day of the week, articles being written, plenty of good shows to check out. Thank you so much for joining us. From myself, Shane, Rachel, have a great week, and go Birds. Go Birds.